imminent arrival of up to 77 migrants at the Clare Lakelands Hotel in Scariff, a public meeting was called to discuss various aspects of the issue of migrants coming to the town. Scariff Bay Community Radio was there and we bring you a flavour of that meeting. I just have to point out, this is not about being racist or white rain, this, this is just a small town. We're all, I'm local here all my life, um, I just feel like our government and some of our local TDs and councillors have been no effort to chat or call for a meeting to inform us as a community to discuss what is going on in the hotel. We just want a fair, open, honest discussion. This meeting is not for shouting and please can respect everyone's opinion even if we all don't agree. Thank you. Since we don't have a chairman, um, the three of us here on the top table as public representatives will do our best to, to guide the meeting for you. First of all, thanks for holding it. Thanks for being in touch. Um, and we just guide, guide, guide our way through this. And It's really an opportunity for people to ask questions. We'll try to give you the answers if we have them and if we haven't we'll agree to come back to you. So just to put some context on it, um, as you're all well aware over the last year and a half there's been a very significant movement of migrants from various different parts um, of the world towards Europe. Um, you had the Ukrainian situation at the start um, and then that increased the level of activity from other neighbouring countries and countries in Africa, similar to what we had in the late 90s in terms of the amount coming. Like, if you go back to 2019, there was probably about three or three and a half thousand um, migrants sought refuge um, in Ireland, what might be considered from Africa or sub-Saharan Africa. Last year, that went to 15,000. So it was a five times what had been previously happening. And what that has meant, I suppose, is that facilities that were, hadn't been used for a while, hadn't been used since the 90s, are being used again, and more places are required. So that's what has created the necessity to be looking at places like Scariff and elsewhere. Then just sort of to give background, and I circulated a lot of information that I got the other day as other public representatives did and it's been on the Scala forum and I think those of you that are here probably have had a read through that so we'll take that as read and if you have any further questions we'll go from there. But I just wanted to put a bit of context on it. Um, so, so, so that has, has created a situation where um, different places that wouldn't be considered ideal for migrants uh, have to be utilised. The government has a responsibility under various different arrangements that have been agreed to uh, both at European um, and at UN level over the last 20, 30, 40 years, where somebody who seeks uh, international protection or refugee status, the government has a responsibility to provide them with shelter and food. Uh, they don't get access to social welfare or any of the normal sort of elements that, that are there. So, and that's the direct provision system that you regularly hear about, where they're retained, um, provided with shelter, provided with food. In recent years, um, recognising the shortage of people in the workforce, there is a provision now where after six months they can apply for um, work permits and be granted the right to work while they're refugee status is being, um, uh, is being investigated. So then look at sort of what, what happens. Somebody seeks um, refugee status. Some will be genuine. Some will be economic migrants. Some will, may not have come from persecution, but saw an opportunity and figured out they might get a better life in Europe or Ireland or wherever. No different to many of our people who traveled to the United States without documentation worked away, worked hard, built up, some of them got green cards, some of them eventually got status. We all have friends who tried it and were sent home on occasion. So we know how that, we know how that model works. Um, 
So, so that's the that's the background. And like I was asked by Ellen to, to come and have a chat with you. I accept there are people that have fears, and they're your genuine fears. They mightn't be my fears. They mightn't be Pat or Joe's fears, but they're your fears, and you are entitled to have a public conversation about it. And Ellen was very good at the start where she said, let's not have it as a shouting match. And sometimes if you have fears, fears of the unknown, you automatically feel that you're being branded as racist or right-wing. And I don't see any of that from the people. I, 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 there's scarcely anyone here that I don't know. And I know and have met you, and you might have disagreed with me on lots of things or agreed with me on things. But I know you're not inherently racist at all. But that doesn't take from the fact that you have genuine concerns, which we have to try and address as best we can from our perspective. We can't solve all the problems. You know, I wish there was no, no migration at the moment because it would say that the world was a better place and these people wouldn't, wouldn't be looking for the protection of Europe or the Irish state. But that's the case. It, it is the case. It's no different to, and I don't want to be doing the parallels because that's often used as a kind of a way of hoodwinking people. No different to our people from around Scar, from around Shannon or whatever that I grew up with who went illegally to the States, um, you know, uh, along the years. I wish they never, that never had to happen either, but, but it did and it worked out for, for most of them. So, unless the lads want to say something maybe from their perspective, and, and then we'll, we'll try to answer questions. Exactly, I'd just like to come in there. Uh, first of all, look at it, I'd like to thank Ellen for organising the meeting here this evening. I'm not going to repeat what Timmy has said here in fairness in Senator Dolly. But again, it's important we get your views on board. We are all well aware of what's happening in the country at the moment and the amount of refugees that's coming into the country. It started with the Ukrainian war, Ukrainian war and Russia, the Russia with the war there between and we're well aware of that. We are where we are and there's always concern. And there is going to be a massive change here in Scarlet. We're led to believe now, and we have not in, in, in session stone or not in paper in front of us, but we are led to believe that up against 77 people coming into Scarif. That's a big influence into that town, if it is 77 people. We're led to believe it's families and single women, but again, we haven't that in writing. That's what we're led to believe, that's the moment we're here now, there. We can't say it is true or false, unfortunately. And I can tell you straight out, it's not for the one to looking for information to find out what's happening and what's going on down here. We're all well aware that the hotel is going into new ownership. We're all well aware that it's been renovated for these refugees to come and stay in it. And our belief is they arrive in this Tuesday, Wednesday. That's the story we have. But as I've said, I have never got that in writing from anywhere. And it's in what for the want of trying to get it. Senator Martin Conway was not here to make the meeting this evening. He sent his apologies and you are well aware that uh, Deputy Joe Carey is not well at the moment and is not in office or, be, or working at the moment, unfortunately, because of ill health. So, look, at, I am here to list the year concerns and whatever concerns I get here this evening, the same as I've done at all public meetings since I got elected to represent either people of the Killaloo MD, I'd be doing that to my best of ability, and if there's concerns here this evening, I'd be taking them back where they'd be listened to. Listen to, but I can guarantee what will happen after that. Which is good this meeting here, it's good the people are here to voice their opinion, we'll listen and we'll see where we can go after that. Thank you all. And again, Ellen, thank you very much for organising this here this evening. Yeah, uh, thanks Ellen for the invite and uh, I suppose uh, a lot of people say we could be somewhere else in a fine evening but I suppose as a councillor really we're in relation to international refugees coming into the county or Ukrainian people coming in we're really the last bastion we're not told information doesn't come directly to councils in relation to uh, who or, or what is happening in your community you're hearing it no more than yourselves through the media and through different forums. And I think, I think there's a real issue here about information. I think it's the big issue really, is that the lack of information and, that lack of, and then the rumour machine. Uh, because I could walk from one end of the street today to the other and I've heard ten different stories. Uh, and everyone telling me different. And I have nothing officially in front of me Timmy and Cahan Crow, I want to apologise on his behalf. He was here earlier and couldn't make the meeting. Uh, put out information as they got it from the department and through different government ministers. 
we have never got that as councillors, and you'd say, well, sh you should know. Well, of course we should know. But of course the people of Scarif should know, and the joining communities should know what's going on as well. Uh, when issues arose, they, there's 30 people in Ukraine are over in Tulla, nobody knew about them. Uh, I suppose the lack of information leads, leads to speculation. Uh, the fact that a lot of single men came to Inch uh, left a sour taste for everybody because I actually, being in the town of Scarif all day today, I actually met the, the owner of the hotel and he showed me inside. And he said he was asked about Inch, would he go there? And he said, no, it wasn't a suitable place. And he said, why did you come to Scarif then? Well, Scarif has, is a public town, it has a sewers, it has lighting, it has everything that goes with it. And he's seen an opportunity. So, look, he's a businessman, he's doing his business. So he gave me a tour of the hotel, which I had never stood in for 20-something years. And remarkably how good it is still inside it. Uh, but ultimately, the issue for us as councillors and the people that represent you is the lack of information we're getting as well, which kind of leads to the fact that somebody says, is there 77 men coming to Scarf? Is there what is coming? From my information that I got through the hotel and the owner that has negotiated with the department, is there all families uh, and women and children and some single women? Uh, there is no males, whether they're attached to families, I couldn't guarantee that, but uh, I suppose ultimately that's what a lot of people were asking me, the fact that you'd have... Uh, a major population of one particular males coming to a town might appear difficult for some people. Uh, I suppose we don't know only what we're hearing no more. They're supposed to come from Romania, Afghanistan and the joining countries, Lithuania. That's what we've been told. Uh, apart from, there is no director from the department, as far as I know, Timmy and, and Michael, uh, who is actually coming. The man in the hotel seemed to know more about it than, than we did. Uh, and look at he was open to anyone that wanted to go in and ask him questions. He said, the hotel is open there, uh, and feel free to ask him any questions about what his negotiations and what he done. I asked him how much he paid for the hotel. He wasn't inclined to tell me that at all. But, but uh, ultimately, we're here, like Joe said and Timmy, to represent you and listen to your views. But the last thing we want to do is create division amongst people. And, the, and that happens in the, lack of, in the lack of information. So maybe Michael and and Timmy might have more information than we have uh, and we're there to give it back to you and listen to you as well and, and to take your views on board very much because we are your public representatives and we're, that's what we do. So thanks very much for the invite. And thank you for yeah, no, thanks very much for the invitation. Um, I suppose I, I don't know very much more than what's already in the public domain, um, that it is uh, 76 people comprised, um, I suppose... I, I, a long time ago, some people from the community approached me, maybe about a month ago, and asked me what was happening. I said I didn't know, I asked a question, didn't get an immediate answer. Um, then, uh, around the same time, people in Inch were asking, uh, didn't get an answer to that either. Then a busload of people uh, arrived in Inch. Uh, I expressed my annoyance that this happened without any answers being provided. Um, so around that time, um, we did get a, a very brief email from the Department of Children um, and uh, Integration, which is uh, Roderick O'Gorman's department, to say that 76 people were coming, comprised of families, um, couples and single females. Uh, in the course of last week, we received a, a further briefing note Really not adding a huge amount more other than to say that it was, um, my understanding is it's, uh, it's international protection applicants, which means that um, basically anybody from Ukraine is, um, gets temporary protection under the temporary, uh, uh, piece of EU law called the Temporary Protection Directive. So you can assume it's not Ukrainians, then you can assume it's people seeking um, uh, either asylum or subsidiary protection, or most likely both, um, which would almost certainly mean it would certainly mean that they're from outside of the European Union, um, so um, uh, and almost certain. Yeah, I mean they're from outside of the European Union, so they're not British, North American, or um, probably not Romanian, Lithuanian um, either. Um, that's the extent of the information that I have. Uh, that they it will be open. Uh, it will be uh, ready to receive people from Monday. Is the the information that I received? Uh, not exactly a date when people will arrive. Uh, just that it will be ready to receive people from Monday and uh, it will accommodate up to 76 people. So that's the information I have. I did ask 
the minister uh, to speak with um, either to come to this meeting or uh, the minister, uh, and there are two ministers in the department, or a representative from IPES, which is the um, the body within the civil service that um, that sources um, what they deem to be suitable accommodation for people. I, I did ask them to come to this meeting or to meet a representative grouping from the community if they didn't want to come to a public meeting, I would understand that. But maybe to meet with uh, representatives of a, a small number of people or to meet with the town council. Uh, I didn't receive a response to that. I do think that would have been beneficial. Uh, it hasn't happened. But I, I can only relay the information that I do have. So I guess we'll open it up to the floor if anybody wants to ask any questions or say anything. I'd like to ask a question. Sure, I was wondering, if the hotel hasn't been used for years and years, why aren't we using it as a single mother and children's home? Why are we giving it away? Why are we using it for our own first? Why aren't our Irish being taken in for a least? Why are they okay. going off the streets? So, so as best I can, I, 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 I yeah, no, I, I'll give you a little bit of background there as best I can. I'll give it to you honestly. Um, it's a private property and the owner can choose what he wishes to do with it. He, he, he has offered it to the state for the provision of temporary protection, or you, as, as it is, some offer for Ukraine, some go for the, the temporary protection people. Um, so now is there a, would be a demand here in Scarf? I, I, I don't know. That's obviously a decision he has made. No, the, the, I, I hear you, yeah. um, but that's again uh, his decision, so I can't speak for for that. I don't, uh, just uh, to that, I do agree with him. It was in private ownership. Yeah. We believe it changed ownership, so the new person seemed to have gone down a different line of making use of it. Uh, even in the past, uh, we went away about pa uh, parking here in Scarlet, that they really had to get parking. We did actually look for the car park down there. We got it for 12 months, please, at one stage, but after that, the owner one didn't interest us in talking to the local authority as they gave him the long parking to win the, to go on there even though there was nothing else happening in it unfortunately. So that can tell you how much the previous owner had interest in donating the town of Scarlet with the hotel. Unfortunately, and I don't agree what you're saying, it had been an occupation seat locked up there for the past number of years and, and nothing happening in it. Correct, yeah. But the reason why privatised hotels and landlords are giving their properties to asylum seekers and Ukraines over the Irish people is because they're getting a financial incentive to do so. They are getting more money to house these people than the Irish. So that's why they're doing it. And why is that the case? But that's not, to the best of my knowledge, so somebody that seeks emergency accommodation in Ireland is provided with, I think it's about 12,000 Irish people in emergency accommodation in hotels and various different guest what houses. What is that emergency accommodation hotels for my friend usually. who was pregnant and with a one-year-old yeah. was given emergency accommodation but two nights in a hotel, one side of Dublin, then had to get a taxi to another hotel, the other side of Dublin. There was no consistency. And me, as a pregnant woman, was only offered a one-night-only hostel where I'd have to have all my stuff with me each day, where I would have chosen to sleep on the streets rather than in that hostel. Thankfully, I had a friend who I could share her daughter's bunk beds with at the time. I worked full-time, I had a first-class honours degree, until the day I became homeless, I brought all my stuff to my job the last day of my job. I was offered nothing from the government and I also wasn't entitled to any social welfare. Eventually, after weeks and weeks, I was offered 100 euro. That was all I was allowed after working full time. I, I don't have the answers to your particular case. I'll talk to you afterwards if you want and you can give me all personal details and we'll try to get I answers for you. I all about this years ago. Okay. Still, nothing's done for the Irish homeless people and it's only getting worse. Okay, so. All I can say, and I'll take that kind of... Uh, I, I, 
Okay, we take one at a time. Yeah, we take one at a time. Okay, so. Well, the, the way the medical card system works. Okay, no, no, but, but like we, you're asking a question, and I'll try to, to answer for you. The way the medical card system works in Ireland, it's means tested, so it's based on your income or your means generally. People who present here seek an international refuge generally have nothing. Generally have nothing. Um, but their means, their, effectively means test, but they are entitled to a medical card, yes. They are entitled to a medical card. Um, they get, I think it's 37 or 38 euros a week as pocket money because their accommodation is provided and their food is provided. Um, so that, that addresses that. Uh, if they get refugee status after a prolonged period of time, they then have certain other entitlements, the same as any other citizen of the state in terms of social welfare if they're not working. The vast majority of these people, not all, but the vast majority of them are here to work and they want to work and we have a shortage of labour in the country in some areas. There are some that don't, so that's just by way of background. Then you raise the issue about housing in Ireland. I mean, that's a very vexed position for sure. There's a shortage of housing. There's a lot of social housing under construction. We still have a long, long way to go to, to reach the, the amount that's needed. Um, there are, as a refugee, you're not going to be considered for housing on the social well on the on the social housing list. You're going to be in direct provision, which is a hotel or a facility similar to that. Um, some of the facilities that are developed around the country are not even to a hotel standard. They're large. Where, I won't say warehouse around, but large office type accommodation with cubicles. Um, that's that's in, in an effort to meet the demand to get them off the street. So that's I'm going to give you the information just just to be helpful. Sorry, down the back. I'm just, like Ireland's a small country compared to other countries in Europe, and we're like off over here on the you know the, the west of, of Europe. Yeah. You know, so why like why? Do we have to take so many when we don't have enough room for them? Do you know what I mean? Like, if they're staying in cubicles, as you say, right, why can't we just say, okay, look, we're full? Like, not, I don't mean that you're racist. Yeah, I know. Right yeah, I know. Like, we can't accommodate them. Yep. You can barely accommodate for the Ukrainians, right? They're yeah. They're not there for the country, that's right. But, like, Ireland is a small little country. We've basically been in the corner of price. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if, yeah, okay, I, I, I'm not making the point. I mean, when somebody shows up, you cannot say no. You, th th there isn't a legal mechanism. Some would argue, probably strongly, there isn't a moral mechanism either uh, to tell them to turn around and go back. But maybe it's not just one turning off, it's hundreds. Yeah, just one point. I mean, firstly, um, you, you can, it is illegal to come to Ireland and you can say no to most countries in the world. You require a visa to come to Ireland. So if you don't have a visa, you can be turned around at the frontier and sent back. E even if you have a visa, people are often turned around at the frontiers and sent back. However, <coughs> since the sec in the aftermath of the Second World War, um, international treaties were signed because of what happened during the Second World War um, and it was accepted that <coughs> anybody who was claiming to be fleeing persecution had a right to have their claim determined and if they were found to have been fleeing persecution on the basis of political belief, nationality, religion or membership of a social group like uh, being a Hazara in Afghanistan or whatever, they're um, a, a group that tended to get slaughtered in vast numbers by the Afghanistan, but but by the Taliban for because they're Shia. If you were found to have a legitimate claim, you were granted refuge, and you were allowed to stay in the country to work. To basically, you were entitled to no more than everybody else in the country, but you were entitled to the same as everybody else in the country. And um, so. Everybody who's coming, I understand, are international protection. Uh, Ukraine is different. U Ukraine is a temporary protection scenario where everybody automatically uh, gets a 
uh, temporary protection. Ireland didn't is not obliged by European law to do that because we opted out. And you remember there were various Amsterdam um, referenda, Nice, Lisbon, all of those. We opted out. So Ireland initially opted out of temporary protection and then opted in. So now we are obliged because we chose to be, not because we're obliged. The right to seek refuge is not something to do with European Union law. It's to do with international treaties that were signed before the European Union came into being. The problem, I suppose, arguably is in Ireland that we have a very slow bureaucracy. That's the problem. a large part of the problem in building houses. We have a civil service that's utterly unwieldy and the political class, for want of a better word, don't really want to tell the civil service what to do in case the civil service get offended and stop doing anything. Um, and equally, the determination of claims for asylum is incredibly slow in Ireland. Slower than, slower than it should be, certainly, slower than other countries. Now, there are difficulties in every country, but it's uh, quite slow in Ireland. So anybody who says they're fleeing persecution is entitled to stay until their case is heard. Um, and then if they're found to be uh, valid, uh, they're allowed to stay. If not, they can be and are served with a deportation order. So these people that are all coming in, um, so that are, these are all vetted? There is, I mean... Are, there, are, there, are they coming to our town before they're vetted? Or well, they when you say vetted, how, what do you are mean they, by vetted? Are we, are we, are we, do we know where they're coming from? Do we know that they're not, they've got no criminal records? Do we know? And but I suppose, I mean, you don't... Like the greatest of respect, I don't know what record anybody in this room has, nor, nor does anybody in this room know what record I have. I mean, I would say that. But that is. Sorry, we just, just we take it to I don't think any of us are in any rush. We'll hear but till midnight. I, I, we have to be careful now, lads. But just, I just want to make one. I, yeah, but I just want to finish. I just want, like, I just want to say that you're not entitled to work while you're. No, totally, Tony. No, but let one finish, Tony. We'll get you in. We'll get your point in a second. We just we'll be orderly. Timmy, you were asked how much they get. They get. They're provided with accommodation. The reason that they're not entitled to to the dole is because it was perceived that it would be attractive and that people would come here. The Ukrainians aren't getting more than the Irish. The Ukrainians are a different group to people who are claiming asylum, and I don't believe there are Ukrainians coming here. People who are claiming asylum get 38 euros 80 per week, and in respect of children, they get 29 euros 80. Um, and they're not entitled to work unless until after six months. If their claim has been determined within six months, which it should be, that's what European Union law says, um, then they're either found to have asylum and they're allowed to stay, which is usually a very <coughs> small proportion. A small proportion. They're allowed to volunteer if they wish to. But I'm sure there are lots of people in Scarif who go around to pick up the weeds. Yeah, we get it. Tony O'Brien was had his hand up down the back there. My, myself included, by the way. Right. When I read the heading, there was 77 um, people coming into Scarlet, I think it's a disgrace. Okay. Mm. Okay. I have, would have no problem taking 20 or 30. Right. I think all the other villages around the country should take 10 or 15 each as well. I think putting 77 people mm. into the middle of your town, that's already under pressure. Yeah. And you're going to form, in my mind, a ghetto effect. Because what do they want to do all day? They're not hanging around. They're not working. Our services are already under, uh, under pressure. And I do think the point of it invested, I would be very worried. Because mm. a family told more, we'll never see their child again, or a foreign national coming in. I'm not against foreign nationals, but yeah. he was invested and yes. he took his chance, mm. right? And I think I think was there a risk assessment done on this? I think the government have been very smart, shoving seventy seven down into Scarf. I don't think Scarf is the problem taking people, but seventy seven in the one area. If I open that as a private hotel tomorrow, would I be able to put 77 people into it? I don't think I would. It's an 8%. And I, I'll finish with this, guys. I think there should be a crime plan investigates case done in it. Yeah. And if people have their decision in it, I think 77 is very unfair as hell. Yeah. And that's what my problem is. Yeah, no, Tony, I get your point. And you know, it, it's, it's hard to dispute it. it. It's based on what the accommodation is. Like, if, and, and just give you this point, just to say that you're not alone in this. I mean, we have a similar situation up in say Liston Varna, because there was hotel accommodation there initially, there were Syrians that came in and then the Ukrainians and the people in Liston Varna would recognise that they have 
a phenomenal amount of people versus the local population and there, there, are, there are potential issues there as a result of that, no doubt about that. So that's, that's a well-made point. No, no, but the point I'd make to you is, so Elaine, the, the difficulties that, that has posed in this environment was the pressure that it put on the schools, the difficulties with doctors, etc. But but that's the, the work. The, they're working through it. I know it is. But I, I'm just. I accept that. But I'm just. I'm just reflecting on a, on, 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 an, on an issue, Elaine, um, that has been raised and responding. That the people have really welcomed people. They have their meeting just like the people are having here tonight, but they worked together. And they outed out anybody with, uh, with opinions that just were basically racist. But, 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 but the people worked together. Yeah. And that's what we're working at here. And what I'm trying to get across, Elaine, and they it, zero, no, can, can I finish? Well what I'm trying to get across to, to Tony is that this isn't just unique to Scarif. And there were issues elsewhere, and they worked through them. But people, I, I'm going to be very strong on this. People have a right to raise concerns that they have, and they're entitled to be listened to. And we have to be really careful that we just don't push people back and say, oh, you're just because I don't like what I'm hearing, that you're somehow racist. Because they're not. I know everyone, virtually everyone here, and they're decent, honourable people. They work hard. They're entitled to be heard. They mightn't, I, I mightn't share some of their concerns, but they're valid and they're theirs. And... I think we are united up here. We'll try to answer those as carefully and as directly as we can and bring people with us. We've worked up an inch in the last number of weeks trying to get people who initially had real fears and concerns. They mightn't be yours or mine, Elaine, but they were theirs. And, you know, as the passage of time over the last fortnight, three weeks... People are working the way... No, no that, that didn't happen either, but... but, but but people, like, so rumours spread, and the only way that you can kind of prevent that is we, I, we come back here next week if you want, and we work through it together, as we often have done in the past. So if we can work that. Can I just ask the question, if you're fleeing persecution, is it not the case you flee to the nearest country and you can then repatriate to that country? No. The persecution? As, a, as a matter of refugee law, no. Yeah. There is a convention which is known as the Dublin Convention where agreement was taken back in, I don't know, 2012, probably where that you're obliged to seek, you're obliged to seek the, 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 the protection in the first country. So you can no, land in, the first, in the first European, first European country. country. So if you're, is a common asylum area within yeah. the European Union. But if you're fleeing um, persecution in Afghanistan, uh, um, and you land, you you don't you do not have, to, and you get over the border to Pakistan. Mm. You do not have to seek asylum in Pakistan as a matter of law. Yeah. What you do have to do is seek asylum in the first European European country in which you arrive. Now, part of the reason that there's been a growth in numbers in Ireland is, of course, that uh, Britain is no longer a European Union state. So people who move from Britain are not who go through Britain are not required to seek asylum there. Um, whereas before, if somebody from Nigeria was, or Pakistan, or Afghanistan, or I mean, Britain is a major crossroads in the world, more so than Ireland, uh, they they had to seek asylum in the first European Union state. But as a matter of refugee law, to answer your question, no, you don't have to seek asylum in the first safe country. That you have raised, we'll give them an opportunity to come back and address it. But we try to be respectful of them yeah, if we can. Please, because okay, so when it comes to vetting, yeah, I'm part of too. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. You're talking about vetting people not to work with children, just for vetting people just to live here. That's what you're, you're, you're specifically saying. And you're entitled to that opinion. Okay? You're entitled to believe that people should be vetted, and I'm entitled to believe that people should not be vetted. That, that's just my opinion. Okay? And, and that's fair. And I actually don't want to fall out with people. I don't want to have a bad relationship. I, like, I think the most important thing is, I think Tim said earlier on, is like a huge thing. Let me
But please, all I'm saying is, like, please don't blame the people who are going to start those 77 people. Please believe, like, just please believe that, that they are genuinely, like, here to impress you. Okay, so I'll try, can I can I just say a couple of things on vetting, just to try to bring it back to things. No, so so I'm going to tell you. If any of us want to work in a certain environment where there's minors, we're required to be guarded, vetted. But there's kids going to be there as well. Yes. So if you're a staff member, to work with somebody that state requires, if the state's going to pay you to work with minors, you have to be vetted. But I don't have to be vetted. When I moved from Mount Shannon to Tulla, to move to Tulla, so I'm not saying that I was being smart ass about it, but it's just sorry with respect. That's so that is a requirement. So we have to be careful about this notion of vetting. So the vetting really that takes place on any of these individuals happens when they're being processed as to whether or not they'll satisfy the criteria to be considered a refugee. The background checks, whatever can be done, will be gone through. So that's the processing of an individual. So they show up on a Tuesday through whatever route they get to Ireland. They're into a, a holding base somewhere, Dublin Airport, City West or wherever, and then there's people from the state perspective scrambling to try to find a location for them. And if Scaliff is where they come, or Inch or wherever there's available facilities, then there's an engagement with the department where they go through a whole processing that Michael has identified takes way too long. But it's not as if you can, because think about it for a second, I'm not suggesting you haven't, but where do you do the vetting? Somebody comes on a Monday, you don't have time to do the vetting. It's a detailed process. It requires contacting Interpol. It requires going back to various different records, insofar as records exist in some of the countries they come from. So it's not an ideal process, or it's not to suggest. Now, there are some, and, and, and I'm not reflecting on anyone in this room, but there are people who agitate against migration. They agitate because they come from a hard right perspective, and they use a couple of terms. Do you realise these people aren't vetted? To instill fear, principally amongst women and children. And that creates a fear that very hard for my wife or my daughter or any of you to say, geez, you know, are they vetted? What does that mean? Now, when you explain it through to them, then there's other things. They're, they're fighting age men. They're working age men, actually. Why is there always men coming? When you talk to some of these people, they were the fishes that could get away, and they hoped to be able to provide money back. No more than, you know, we didn't send women and children weren't the first on, 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 on the route to America to try and look after their people at home. So their long-term ambition may be to go back. Some of them do, some of them don't. They send money back, some of them don't. You know, so, so like, the, the cohort of people, by and large, and, and then people say, can you guarantee 100% that there's no Bowsy in the middle of it? You can't. There's a Bowsy everywhere. And that the, the, the guards are there, the state's there to pick up the Bowsy. Look, there's no guarantee that there won't be a Bowsy of my kids. Um, and the, the state would be different. But the one thing and the experience that I have is that no matter what community they've come into, there ha there's been problems, for sure, and it's been well ventilated on social media, etc. But by and large, things have worked out well. There's problems from time to time. Now, where you have women and children and couples and families, there's a lot less likely to be problems. That's not to say there won't be issues. Sorry. You mentioned background checks there. I'm just wondering how thorough those background checks um, are because the temporary protection with Ukrainians, they're means tested for a medical card, etc. However, I personally know 20 Ukrainians that work online, they have a job in Ukraine and are getting a medical card and are getting the 256 and are getting children's allowance. So I'll answer that. So, so I'll answer that then. I'll answer that then. I don't doubt what you're saying for a minute. But they're not unique in that regard. People who will scam the system. The checks are done, and I'd be hopeful there's a, there's a section within social welfare, it's called revenue protection, and it goes after people who are scamming it. And that's wrong, and it's illegal, and I'm sure in time, there's a hotline where you can share that with the department. If you provide the details to us, we'll put it in. But so, so, so of course, something like that can happen. There are people, both Irish, English, British, there's, there's people in every country of the world that will chance the system and will try to perpetrate fraud on it. But there's a way of dealing with that as well. But then going back to the background checks, how deep do they actually go? 
There will be specialist intervention where it's needed because there's children and I know there's good outreach from a couple of different agencies. CLDC do good outreach. The council have some outreach where there's special requirements. In relation to schools and stuff like that, the department has been very quick to react in other communities and Michael and I would have been involved in a few where there needs to be, if there's additional kids. Look, there's some communities are delighted to see it because it might be holding on to a teacher that they were about to lose. Um, and that's a positive and certainly that was the case with the Ukrainians now on the health one that's pressure there's no doubt about that and I'm not going to t give anyone false information to get back out the door that is that is problematic but it's working in in different communities the doctors to, to the best of their ability are opening longer and they're trying to address issues it's not straightforward there is a shortage of GPs and dentists across the country that's the well look at we we'll have a chat with we'll have a chat with the medical centre and see if there's anything can be done. Oh, down, yeah. I, I rang the doctors for an appointment, they've told me through myself straight away. I brought them up straight away. I was sitting down for forty minutes waiting. A Korean woman walked straight in the door and she was coughing so straight away before I was sitting waiting. Is it for two weeks? Can I ask? In terms of the government, right? Is there anything in place because somebody said so there is that was my, that was my next point so there's a fund that has been established um, to provide well for the community and you have a community council here that can apply for funding to do enhancements in the area there was a couple of million recently put into the North Clare area that is to Inverna area which you know was helping the community groups who were working with the Ukrainians that are there and that fund is opened again and it will be populated with money and we'll come back to you with information on that. Claire Hinch, you have her hand up. Yes, down I do. Um, I just have, it's referring to the, the document that was shared by the yeah. yeah. In that document, um, it refers to the hotel being on a 10 year lease that has not changed hands. Yeah. Um, and my question mm. is, mm. from that, like, like I said, on the document, that's what it states, it's, yeah. it's leased for 10 years. Mm. Also on that document, it states that the people that are coming are um, families, single women, and children, whatever, whatever it is. Couples, yeah. Is there, like, okay, we're all going to assume that they're going to come and say for six months. Like, is that going to remain for the 10 <clears> years that only women and children and couples and families will be in the hotel? Or can they, after six months, can, I don't know if it's the government or the person who's leased the hotel can decide I'm now going to take in 50 senior men from Norway. Thanks. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I asked um, Joe O'Brien, like, what account, how do you sort of account for uh, 69 single men in, in, in Inch, which is has no transport links or had no transport links at the time and there's nothing to do I mean Tony who made the point there's nothing to do in Scarf I mean there is something to do in Scarf there's certainly more than there is to do in McGowan House and there are is it four buses a day now to Limerick um, and there are buses to Ennis so there are transport links and um, he said that it's down to the owners usually uh, that the owners say that it's the conditions in which an owner is willing to open it if at all of course some owners say no are not interested some say, yeah, no, we'll, we'll take the money, and, uh, and others say, well, we'll take it on condition that we have uh, families uh, and no single, or not large groups of single men, presumably because there's more wear and tear in general terms with groups of men than, 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 than groups of, of, of women. So I'd imagine it's to do with the owner as regards guarantees. Like, the reality is that it's, 
unfortunately, in my view, I appreciate there's an emergency and all the rest of it, but I mean, I think there should be the planning process. If if the owner of that hotel wanted to, I don't know, turn it into a nursing home tomorrow morning, or a, or even a a, a, a refuge for um, homeless um, uh, women and children, uh, he would have to, or uh, the company that owns it, uh, would have to apply for planning permission. But you don't have to apply for planning permission uh, if it's for refuge uh, to, to house uh, asylum seekers or people with temporary protection. I think that's a mistake. I understand why the government have done it, but I think it's a mistake because it strips away any possibility of consultation. People feel that they're not; they have no opportunity to, to voice their concerns. Uh, there's no legitimate avenue to, to do that, and they feel they're overridden by the the system. Um, so, as it stands, that runs out. That planning permission runs out in, I think, January, December 2024. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't think that. The, the government will extend that, so there won't. They don't require planning permission to change it. Uh, all you have is if the owner does wants it or doesn't want it. And um, I'm afraid that's it for the moment, Claire. That's all I'm, I can. I'm sorry for health and safety. Then, if 77 people are willing to a hotel. Well, it has a fire. It has a fire set. Um, so, so from that point of view, and again, I'm not making the excuses. I'm just giving you the facts. That and the, my understanding is that they've been in very regular contact with the fire officer. Uh, and he's satisfied with the issues there. It is it is a year by year contract, Claire. Um, I'd have to check in the document again. But whilst the the current owner has a ten year lease, I'm sure with break clauses and all of that. But he has only a one year contract. The current guy, the operator, has only a one year contract signed with the department. Now it goes back to the point that Michael says: in a year, if there's no demand for it and the numbers go down that are coming into the country then that contract lapses or it won't be renewed. But the likelihood is, if the numbers stay fairly constant, um, it'll be in use, as it was in the 90s, for a number of years. And then, exactly when the, the pressure fell off, um, no more than McGowan House, it's not the centre of where activity would be. So that's as much the information as, as, as we can give you. Chair, is this thing done and dust? We are in a raven cop here. Is it done? Is there 19 million or 8 during the week or is there not? Well, is there any which, Mike? And I come well, on. that's the, 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 the I. Why are we? I think I think Mike the rumours and the belief what we are to believe is that around twenty plus coming. I believe. Well, Mike, Mike, we got a document last week, which set out that a contract had been signed. We weren't given advance notice that they were thinking of signing a contract. So the contract was signed. So the, the answer, direct answer to your question was. Well, 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 Okay, so I can only talk for myself. I didn't. I put the information up as soon as I got it on both occasions. Mm. Now, so when I asked the department, how didn't, why didn't we get a heads up on this? We all this information after I sent out the message. I tried text you all. And yeah, I know. You but, all but, you put it out then. No, no, we put it out. Put it out before then. Put it out. Put it out when we got it right. Ellen is entitled to her point and she has concerns. So the point I'm making is, when we asked why weren't we given information way back, what we were told was, until such time as the contract had been signed, they didn't know what it was going to do. The owners, in some cases, will already start building a process, getting their show on the road, and when they have it, when they have it built out, if they have the money to do it, and they have their fire service, or their fire cert, they'll then go to the department and say, by the way, we can accommodate 60, 70 people here they might only have done that a month ago. The fact that you're... No, no, but let me finish, Ellen. Let me finish. They may already... The owner of the facility, for sure, knew back 
three, four months that he was going to apply for a contract to house people. He may not have told the department about that. He may have gotten his facility ready in the recognition that there's a flow of people coming and when he has it ready, he's ready to offer them a contract. We were informed, as I understand it, when the contract was signed and we were given that notice. We put the information out there and you're entitled to, the, to that information. But what we're told is, and there's no point in beating around the bush, no community has the capacity to say no. They mightn't like it, they might want some assurances, they might want assistance, they might want help, but it's not possible for any community to say, no, we won't take anyone here. That, I know I know that, but I'm just, just saying. So, so the prior consultation is about getting better services, getting more information, try and help people to appreciate what, has, what they can or what, 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 what they can do or whatever. Um, and we'll try to, to help you with that, but we're not, we're not able to say no, no, we, we can't. So that just speaks to Mike's point about having an action plan. The only action plan is to work with people to see how we can manage your way through this. But why is there such a bigger incentive to house them than yeah, Irish people? Yeah. And yeah. Well, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yeah, but they're in temporary accommodation. But what's their yeah. temporary accommodation? Similar, quite frankly, in some places. Some of them aren't. But some of the refugees are sleeping on the street as well. Now, so, so I, I can't compare hotel with hotel. We're not going to get too far if, that's, if it becomes a them and us and whatever. It's how do, we, how do we get through the issues that are arising here? No, but it's the Ted, of that. Ted, 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 Ted. 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 Do you think it's fair for the 77? I, I wonder the problem which maybe 20 or 20 will start. Bless me personally. I think it's the amount that we're putting into Well, here's the problem. I'll answer that as best I can, Tony. If they decided to put 30 in and another 30 lads showed up with tents and landed above in the square, that's, like, that's the possibility. That's illegal. That's illegal. That's illegal. That's illegal. No, but, but, I know, but they're homeless. You're saying I think you're contempt and you, you have that and you're correct that this man did approach the government, right? Yeah. That he did a premises. But what you didn't forget to tell is this department are sending out for us the, to the likes that hotel man said, if you get us a place, we put refugees into it. That's what the government are told. They get some of them to talk to you about further. But at the other step, there wouldn't be half, I think, to outcry. But the government are just landing them down. There should be some kind to, of a to, to, Tony, community council or something. To, yeah, and I don't disagree with anything you're saying, Tony, but, but, but I disagree with you on this. The department, which is works underneath the government, at the Department of uh, Children and Equality, of the Office of IPAS, the International Protection Accommodation Service, are charged every day with trying to find somewhere for people who are on the streets. And yes, they're out looking for places, and people who have facilities know it. But there's no, there's no mystery. I'm not hiding anything from you. No, no, but they're approaching you, private individuals to get these premises, to take the heat off themselves. No, but it's not taking the heat, Tony. It's uh, taking people off the street, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. do you take an Irish people? They're Irish people. And, and Ted, they are every day. They, so, so, you're saying well, equality, but it's you're not equal. You're in power for the last Yeah. I'm so disappointed here tonight. Yeah. Okay. I'm hunting, I'm hunting on it. We have, we have voted five TDs in to represent us. And we've only one here tonight. It's an absolute disgrace. Mm. We should have a fine deal, a fair fall, a green, or whatever else we have. I mean, up here, you're, you're above and down there, representing us, and you're making a fair job of it. <laughs> and now you're here, and only one person decided to show up from Dublin, from, from the people we elected to go to Dublin and represent us. So this is fine. I did say at the start of the meeting, in fairness, Deputy Carey is in at the moment and it's in his apologies he couldn't be here tonight. I did say that in fairness. In fairness to him, so we have to give credit for credit to you, but he could not have tonight. And he'd been out of duty for the last number of months. Unfortunately, because of health reasons. And that's important that people know that too. Not on that, I know he probably would have been here. I can't say he would have been for different. Okay, sorry, yeah. You're the government. Yes. Why are you giving information at the same time as us? What do you need to pay? So what's the reason? Well, what's your question? What do you need to pay? You only told information at the very same time as we're getting it. You've been 
information yeah. What's that? Who are the NGOs that are working you were working with bringing these people in? Okay, so I, I don't understand your question. Oh, I know what NGO is. That who's working with? The government is working with because you're only getting drinks and drinks of information. So who's organizing this in the background? I don't know. If you have information, help me because I, I don't oh, no, know. No, 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 my job. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't understand. You have the conspiracy theory that there's a, someone working to bring these people into the country. Well, you're working with NGOs, and where's the funding? Yeah, no. I, 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 yeah, and, 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 and I can't help you because I, I don't understand where you're coming from. I don't know if if I thought. I think you'll see. I if I have. Go on. So, so where's all the funding coming for what? Yes, that's what I'm asking. Is it taxpayers' money that's paying for all the immigrants? That's all they want to know. Y yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. We are looking. But hold on now. Like, so, so, like, so, taxpayers' money. We all pay tax. You pay tax. Everyone pays tax. But some of the large corporations pay massive amounts of tax. So, like, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's a burden on everyone in terms of the cost of services, etc. But like. If, if you want to try to whip up this sort of notion that it's costing us and it's a dreadful thing, I, I can't go there with you because the reality is that the state is funded through various different streams of taxation. So multinational companies that sell their services in other countries and in other jurisdictions, we benefit from the tax here. To the tune of billions. So let's not try and divert this now that we set people against each other for, uh, on taxation. Let's try to work to figure out how we get through this. Like, there's, there's, there's no point in winding things up. So, so I, you, you, you asserted that there's some agency on behalf of the government out collecting these people in other countries. Sorry. That's not true. No, I'm, I'm talking about the non-governmental organisations that you seem to be working. But you said that. No, but, no, but sorry. What you're saying is that the government is working with some bad actors in NGOs collecting these people and no, bringing I them here. Well, NGOs that they're going off bringing people into one, they're not. People rock in here, they make their way here, and they look for the protection. We have a job to do to house them in the meantime. We have to process them more quickly, and I'll accept from a government perspective that that hasn't been working as efficiently as it should. And then they're deported if they're not genuine refugees, or if they are, they're granted status and they get on. No different to many people who have come here through that process over the years, and they work in communities, and they go on to leave. Pretty good lives from what I have seen around the country. It's not easy. I get it. It's not easy for anyone. I prefer to be doing anything else this evening, but I take my responsibility no more than any of the lads here at the top table to explain to you. We're here dealing with a tough an issue that's not all happy clappy telling you we've got grants for the schools or we're cutting a tape down below at the hurling field because there's a few more quid coming. So like, like, have, have, have an understanding of where we're coming from as well in terms of trying to be honest and upfront and straight with you. That's all. Jimmy, why can't you not put a cabinet? Why can you not put a cabinet? Surely to God. Yeah, that can be done. But the difficulty you have is, let's say you create some kind of a cat. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I don't know how you do it, but then what do you do with the, the next person that comes up? Put him back on the plane? No. You know. I, yes. Like, there is questions oh, around. Uh, you see, it's. That's why. But, like, there is. Some will argue that we're full. You look, at the, the, you look at the size of Ireland versus, say, the size of the UK. We have 5 million people, they have nearly 70. Now, we have a shortage of housing, and we're trying to put people up as best we can when we present ourselves. Other countries have taken more than us, and they're in a better position to do it. There are other countries that have refugees in large football stadia on bunk beds. So it, it, it's just not an ideal situation. Um, it's but not. You see, if I get the cabinet, surely to God. Mm. How many more? How many more are you going to take in? Well, it, it depends. It depends on. It, dep it depends on the flows and whether that will continue or not. I mean, there is there is efforts being made at European level to look at that, and maybe that there can be more supports provided in the countries of origin, so that there's certain centres there that would process people in advance, so that you wouldn't have people travelling to Ireland that ultimately didn't want refugee status. There was talks about that. I mean, the British government have talked about processing them in Rwanda and places like that. I don't think any of the European countries have talked about that. It's a